Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Welcome back to Dear Writer, everyone. We are recording episode 38 today. So welcome to any new listeners that we might have or any returning listeners. And today we have one of our author spotlight episodes where we have CM Healy with us here today. Hi. Hi. Hi guys. How's it going? Yeah, it's going good. So um, CM Healy lives in Texas and is a high school chemistry teacher. When he's not too busy uh, with his day job, he's writing. He's written 10 books, eight children's books that range from early readers to poetry collections, and two YA novels, which are part of a series entitled Beyond the After. Sounds very interesting. Quite a mysterious title. It's very interesting. I respect the chemistry teacher element very much. I lecture um, university chemistry, so oh wow, I like the chemistry vibe we've got going together. <laughs> there you go, yeah. We'll get straight into the interview so that we don't go off on too many tangents, which Ashley and I are prone to doing. Yeah, I am. It's okay. It's all right. So how about we start with how you first started writing? Uh, Okay. So uh, it's always a question I get asked when I go do author visits to schools. They always say, when did you start writing? The, The best answer I can give is when I was in sixth grade. Now, let's be clear. I did not go to school for writing. I did go to college for writing. My bachelor's is in psychology. My master's is in child development and family relations. So I've always been, I've always loved kids. I've always been around kids and worked with kids, but I never, ever, ever thought of myself uh, being an an author for kids or why or whatever until about the last six years when I finally got my uh, Beyond the After book written and published and out and on eBooks and in print. As a matter of fact, since we're we're doing video, I'm just going to show it to you. There it is right there. Uh, Second book is already out. So yeah, there's the neat, the neat covers. Um, I have to brag on my wife. My wife actually is really good at designing. So she pulls different images from the internet and puts them all together and meshes them so that they look beautiful. Uh, Yeah. So while I was writing that, it took me about nine months while I was teaching seventh grade science. And I didn't really do anything except for eat, breathe, sleep the book for for nine months. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I stopped playing video games. Right. I stopped playing video games and all the kids, basically their jaws hit the floor. They're like, how do you stop playing video games for nine months? You know, cause they're used to everything on their phone, which I really didn't have. And yeah, so I got to the point where I had three children's books and the beyond the after coming out in June of 2015. And it just kind of went from there. I, you know, I sold to friends and family cause those are always your easiest people to sell to. And then it was a day when I was selling outside a coffee shop in downtown Dallas when strangers actually started to buy my books. And that was kind of the clicky moment of like, I can probably do this. Like, I've just got to, you know, I've just got to hunker down and start doing it. So that was kind of when it really clicked. And obviously, I'm still, again, teaching high school chemistry for my day job. And I've got my two and a half year old daughter, which, you know, some of these were printed out before she was even born. Uh, but she's my motivation, you know, my child, whoever it was going to be, was my motivation to get these books going and done and get the royalties coming in before they got too deep into their academic and sports career or music career. I'm a band nerd of 16 years. I played trumpet, marching, concert, jazz, all the stuff all the way through college. Yeah, it was it was weird. It was weird to think that I could actually do this for a living eventually. 
Do you remember the first person who came up and bought your book while you were selling outside the coffee shop? Man, I, I you know, I wish I would have because it just didn't even dawn on me. And even now, it, it's still such a surreal experience. I don't equate it with like, even then, I, I you know, I pick this book and I'm like, wow, I wrote 108,000 words for this story. And to give you a comparison, that's about the size of the third Harry Potter book. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's really bizarre. I wish I had, cause I'd be like, Hey, you're my first like real customer. Um, <laughs> but I didn't, so I don't know who it is. They're off somewhere. Hopefully they kept the book cause it's signed and, and I'll be famous one day. And actually they have like a collector's edition because I know I've read through some of your interviews and, uh, there's a few mistakes in that one. Just, a, just a few. It always will be, uh, the mistakes. Yeah. No matter how many times you go through it, they're there. Definitely. You know, well, and, you know, honestly, and again, I don't want to jump the gun, but there was like a really big one about a year later that some fan emailed me. He's like, hey, I don't know if you noticed this and maybe I'm just reading it wrong, but did you realize you swapped the princess names? And I was like, that's ah, baloney. There's no way I did something like that because I was really good about keeping everything straight. And I, yeah, it had happened. And I was like, <laughs> crap. You know, it was so well, first I printed because I'm a, if you don't know, I'm an indie author. And so everything I'm doing is print on demand. I just did a new book. Uh, where is it? Penelope Rose goes to India, which is actually mass printed, Cute. which is where actually the money lies. Just so anybody out there, it, you're going to you're going to fork over a lot of money. But um, so I printed off 100 Beyond the After Princess Lillian. And my mom started reading. She's like, hey, there's a lot of little mistakes in here and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, crap. So with print on demand, I can just like change the file and then re-upload it. And they're already, they're printing like overnight, they're printing a new uh, edition of the book. And mm -hmm. so once I thought I got them all done, I printed off 300 copies in November of that same year. And then of course, May rolls around and I found out there's this huge mistake. <laughs> hundred copies of the book. And if anybody's an indie author out there, like if you buy like 10, it's not a big deal. You can be like, oh, it's just 10 copies. I can afford to scrap that. 300 is a little different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. it's a little bit more money. So I had to suck it up and sell the ones I had. And then I obviously I made the correction and I still, the, the newest edition just was uploaded. God, this last, this last summer, um, to get all the kinks worked out. And I added something that I added headers and the map and all kinds of different things. So I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm done. Knock on wood, whatever the, whatever the superstition is, wherever you guys are, I'm hoping that that's, that's all there is to it. And I can, and I can kind of move on and focus on the other mistakes and my other, no, I'm just kidding. They're, they're all pretty good. Um, at so. least your, at least your reader was nice enough to alert you to the absolutely issue, so right? anybody that's listening to this right if you find a mistake in my book please email me <laughs> it would break my heart if i had sold so many of these copies because the beyond the after i've, I've sold about seven thousand copies so you know there's not a whole lot out there that have that mistake but there's enough to where it's kind of like oh you know beginners you know whatever you want to call it so yeah well you know on the bright side one day when you are like super famous and stuff, people will be like, well, I've got a copy of the book that has a mistake in it back when he was. <laughs> right, exactly. And, <laughs> you know? and so the, the cool thing with all this is I actually put back 14 copies of the first 100 that I printed. And one day it's actually built in. So if 
I haven't really told a lot of people this, but there is a secret message throughout the book that once you find it, something cool happens. Like not immediately, but but it's one of those things where I believe in myself enough to where there's going to be a really big thing somewhere down the road, especially with these books. So yeah, it's, it's been an adventure. I've done so many different things on Instagram and Facebook and my newsletter. It's yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird game to be sure to, to get into. I was just saying, it'd be really funny if it did happen instantly, as soon as someone figures out what the secret message is, and then just something happens. I'd be like, oh my God, imagine if you could pull that off. That'd be so cool. Right. And see, but here's, here's the ruse. I, you can't figure it out until the last book actually comes out. Ooh. So you'll get part of the message, ah. but not all of it. See, I'm always thinking ahead Love like it. a lot. And yeah. So we'll see what happens. But, but yeah, so I'm excited wow. though. I, nobody to the, to the date has even emailed me about saying, hey, I think this is a message you know i mean you'll either know it or you won't it won't be anything ambiguous so yeah so how do you juggle all of your writing time because it seems like you have like you've you know, put out a lot of books so there's a lot of time that goes into that how do you juggle that with teaching i assume you have i guess holidays now. Uh, um Right. Yeah. So I do, you know, so this summer I'm taking, obviously, you know, we've got, we only really have two months. So anybody that thinks that teachers have three months, it's really just, uh, you know, that's a long time ago. I don't know. You know, I was never in teaching when that happened. Uh, It's tough. Unfortunately for me, you know, my family and my daughter take top priority always. Yeah, for sure. Teaching is a very close second. And then if, and when I have time to write, I do. The problem with being an indie author is there is so, so much, like I heard somebody say, you can write one of the best books that's ever been written, but if nobody knows about it, then nobody knows about it. And so the other side to this business is marketing, advertising, word of mouth, getting out there. Uh, you know, this last year with COVID just really killed all the authors that I know of because nobody was able to, it wasn't like America, it was worldwide. Mm-hmm. you know, and so everything shut down. Nobody was letting anybody come into their school or anything like that. So it was tough. I did do a lot of virtual visits. So anybody who's listening in New Zealand or Canada, uh, I, I do virtual visits. Uh, it's pretty easy now that everybody knows how to use Zoom or Google Meets. And uh, yeah, and unfortunately, for those of you who are outside of the US, I can't do free shipping, we can work something out. But, uh, you know, US has something called media mail, and it makes it really, really cheap to, uh, to send a whole bunch of books to one location. But yeah, it's just been it's been a weird, weird year. And I've tried to and of course, with COVID, I had to when teaching, I had to basically convert all of my paper stuff to an e-format. You know, I had to get on Mm -hmm. Google meets and do Google quizzes and all of this stuff. And it really took up a lot of my time. So this coming year, I'm hoping again, to be able to take a little bit more time and write and do some book marketing and stuff like that. But yeah, it's not easy. You know, I don't envy, excuse me, the people who have kids that just need care. I don't know how you do it. I really don't like, I don't know if you just drop off at daycare every day. Like that's what I've done with my daughter. Cause last summer she couldn't go to daycare at all. So I really lost a lot of time in being able to be productive in the writing aspect, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, I just keep plugging along uh, the best advice I ever heard because I'm on Facebook groups and stuff. And somebody said, Hey, don't compare yourself to other authors. They are at a different part of their journey than you are. You know, they have grown kids, no kids, any case, any scenario that you can think of. And I'm in a place where I have to teach and I have a two-year-old daughter. So (laughs) I'm going to do what I can do 
you know, to, to keep putting stuff out slowly, but surely my goal, my honest goal is between now, but hopefully between next, I say five to 10 years because I'm always procrastinating. So I just give myself that (laughs) nice cushion, Uh, but it's to be able to quit teaching and just write full time. So hopefully within the next few years, I'll have a few more because the cool thing is, is I don't have to write these books anymore. And uh, I've got a friend of mine who is going to be booking me school visits over the next year. Um, Hopefully if I can get 10, that'll be, you know, I can't leave school as much. They're very, they're totally supportive all the time. But if I'm like gone for 20 days, then (laughs) probably wouldn't like that. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so we'll see what we can do moving forward. But it has, it's, it's been a, a challenge and adventure. Everybody's been in the exact same boat. Again, it wasn't just America. It wasn't just Texas. It was, it was everybody around the world. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Yeah, I was just going to add, it's very comforting to hear another um, educator also having struggles uh, with the converting yeah. to online teaching because, oh my gosh, it takes twice as long. You would think it wouldn't take as long for some reason because, you know, you don't have to go in, but it, I found it took twice as long to teach online, like preparing everything than it does just to show up in a classroom. Yeah. Well, and see Mesquite, their policy was everybody for the first six weeks, I guess they were like, everybody is staying home. Like we're going to teach virtually. So everything was a zoom meeting. Everything was this. I was really fortunate. I don't know how it is in New Zealand, but unfortunately like here in America, or at least in Texas, like we can't, we don't have any fire in the classrooms. We don't really do any experiments that much. And everybody's like, but how do you do chemistry? I'm like, it's a lot of math and everybody, <laughs> hates it, you know, so it's one of those things where I'm constantly with my creativity in my books and figuring out things for the kids to do, to keep them entertained is, is trying to get them the information, but also making it interesting for them, making it fun, it's giving them activities they can do. Well, yeah. And you know, the <laughs> it's funny, today, yeah. gosh, dang it. They're so lazy. I mean, they're not stupid. <laughs> I will never call any of my kids stupid. They're not. That's the, the sad thing is, is they think they're stupid, but they're not, you know, they're yeah, just, they yeah. just don't put in the work. Yeah. I totally get that. And with COVID hitting and everybody basically getting a free grade last, not last semester, but the spring of 2020, you know, everybody's just like, ah, that just going to give us a grade. And I'm like, no, like that's not <laughs> happening again. Like we have people in class and we have people at home. I don't care what you do, but you need to do the work. And it was, it was mind boggling at how many kids failed my class, but you know, I do what I, I do what I can do to help them succeed. So. Yeah. You know, you just got to keep trying and trying different ways to connect with them, but it's, it would be so hard. I can only imagine, you know, and you can't just give out a grade. Yeah. No. And I tell them that at the beginning, I let them know. I'm like, look, I cannot pass or fail you. I can give you the tools and give you the information and I'm here to help you, but it's on you, you know? Yep, so yeah. sure. we're getting off on tangents with schools. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my brain starts going and you can tell I have a lot of, a lot of demons about that, but yeah. It's cool. I said, no, that's not, that was my fault. I led us astray, but I was like, no, I feel like <laughs> it's okay. it's I okay. understand your plight. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So do you have some um, favorite authors uh, that have inspired your writing? Yeah. uh, Shel Silverstein. I don't know if you guys know who he is. He's pretty well known. He did The Giving Tree, Light in the Attic, uh, Where the Sidewalk Ends. So he has a lot of really famous books that he wrote. As a matter of fact, uh, let's see what's going on. Uh, So this one, it's not even close to his. He has really big, thick books. This one's really thin, but it's about 16 poems. Again, like I said, I started writing when I was in sixth grade. And I finally found an illustrator. Now I want to brag on her for a little bit. Emma Pate, she was only in eighth grade when she did this book. 
So I oh. had her in class. Wow. Um, she had this really quirky style of drawing and she did the whole thing and I paid her. I didn't just like, I was like, oh, you're a kid. I'm just going to not pay you. Um, I paid her just what I would pay. Right. I paid her what I, what I pay everybody else. And um, she did a great job. And now she's in college now. This is quite a few years ago. That's so cool. And so, yeah. So she'll it's really cool, you know, and when I tell the kids this that are in grade school, I let them know like, hey, you don't have to be some big shot college graduate artist to do a, a book like this. Yeah. And they just think it's amazing. So I have that one. Uh, Frank Peretti is another one. I don't know if you got he's a Christian. He's a Christian fiction author that wrote This Present Darkness, Piercing the Darkness, The Oath, uh, a bunch of other ones. But those are my three favorite of course, he's really kind of hit or miss with me. I think with how he is a lot of people, uh, you know, he can go way out there on one side of the extreme. Other times he's writing the Shawshank Redemption, which is like, where did this, this is not Stephen King. Why is this? What? It's not, it's not creepy and weird. So, so yeah, so yeah. those guys, along with, I'm sure a dabble of other authors that I read when I was growing up or my, that my um, mom read to me and stuff like that. Just all of them kind of are jumbling around in my mind and I'm doing my best to kind of create things that fall in line with all the other stuff. So, yeah. For sure. Do you have any sort of classes that you took or how did you try to bet yourself as a writer when you started? Uh, you know, I haven't at all. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> okay. horrible. But no, again, no, it's okay. Everyone has a different journey. I tell my kids, yeah. Um, the other thing I tell the students when I go to schools and stuff like that is I'm really bad at spelling and I'm really bad at grammar and punctuation. Like I'm not, I'm, I, I don't have that built into me. I don't have all those rules memorized, which is why I have my wife, who is my editor and proofreader uh, for most part. When I get to the bigger books, though, I definitely have my wife, my mom, and then I do hire somebody who is well-versed in those grammatical rules too, and continuity and all of that stuff that I'm doing my best to keep track of. But of course, something's going to fall through the cracks. So yeah, so I'm really not, I didn't, again, I didn't go to school for this. So it was just something that really kind of flopped in my lap. Full disclosure, 2010 was where I really started coming up with the idea for Beyond the After. And it wasn't until 2015 where I finally finished it. Like I just got sat down and really got rid of all the distractions in my life and kept writing and my wife would read it. And then she'd like completely tear, not tear it up. Literally it's like red marks, ink marks, this and that and this, you know, and it just totally <laughs> tore my heart apart because it's my baby. You know, this is what, this is what I think is the best. And she's like, no, you're better than this. We need more description. We need uh, a little bit more information about this person or whatever's going on. So so yeah, and that gives hope to the kids. That's kind of cool. It, it is. It, yeah, it gives hope to the kids to help them realize that they don't have to be perfect at writing to be a writer. You know, it's just one of those things that gives them hope to carry on and move forward. And you can you can pay somebody to fix your mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I think as well, like, you know, the role that your wife is playing is all, almost like, you know, you're getting feedback and like learning from what she's saying as well, which it's better than, you know, just sitting down and sort of churning out a book and not having any feedback at all. Right. So um, you could say that, you know, that's your way of learning and of improving, I would say. Yep. Yep, exactly. And then with the the new book, Penelope Rose goes to India again, she, um, she laid out the bag, 
so like so mass printing is where i don't know if you guys know the difference but mass printing is where like you get like a lot of books printed at the same time and so she laid out the sketches that deshaun did when he sent us stuff um she laid that oh, stuff cool. out and yeah it was really neat i was really happy with how the uh, the ending turned out and then of course this one is a special copy because it is one of the kickstarters but everybody who pledged um a name for one of the animals in the books got Cute. their name back here under the stuff and then of course i always like to try and educate my readers so i put information about the taj mahal and lodi gardens and all that different stuff and then of course there's me and deshaun and he's probably mad at me because i haven't given him anything to do for a well about a year now, but I'm working on a Deshaun. I promise if you're listening and watching the podcast, I promise you I'm trying really hard to um, get you on my next project for sure. So I'm sorry, you just mentioned a Kickstarter. So did you run a Kickstarter to fund that book that Penelope Rose goes to? I did. It was my first Kickstarter. Oh, okay, uh, again, that's cool. it, it, it was super cool. It did not go well at all. Uh, <laughs> my goal was $6,000. I think I initially had, I think I got 2,500 from just random people doing stuff and then, you know, friends and family and whatnot. And then I personally put in, I knew going into it that I needed to do this. The price difference and the profit difference for mass printing versus uh, the other way, which is what Amazon and Ingram Spark do it is print on demand. So it's literally, they have a electronic copy of your book. And whenever somebody orders it, they just print it and ship it out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so this book, Penelope Rose Goes to India, it was way, way, way cheaper um, than even my paperback books. This one's hardback to get 2,100 copies and then worry about how to sell them and, you know, where to store them and all that other stuff that comes with 2,100 copies of books that you're not ready to have. But they're all in my garage. It's not bad. Uh, yeah, so the next one is going to be Beyond the After just because I do sell the most of that one. Basically, once I hit third grade, in the in the grade schools and then all the way up through adults is when i sell that one and even adults love this book so it's uh it's been a, it, again it's been kind of a weird experience but i really enjoy it so i was just gonna say with all the illustrations in that book is that did that factor into why you decided to do the mass sort of printing rather than doing it through like Ingram Spark, for example, or? Yes, because at that end, yeah, Ingram Spark is, one, they're the only, right now, they're the only print-on-demand hardback company. And they are crazy expensive to buy author copies. doesn't matter if you buy one. doesn't matter if you're buying 100, 1,000, 100,000. They're all exactly the same price. So when I was doing this book, I was like, I've got to do this. This is the time to start because this will basically, this book right here, again, I don't mind telling people what I paid for. It was the 2,100 copies. It was about $5,100. Give, you know, give or take, if I sell all of them, I will make anywhere between twenty-five to $30,000. Wow. So I don't know what that converts to, to you guys and all the other different places in the, in the, in the world. Uh, but it's a lot of money. It's about, yeah. you know, almost five times the amount of what I would normally get. So well, it's a good profit margin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and then, and of course, the other cool thing about this whole thing is, is once I do sell all those, I have enough to buy another set of these and then start off and doing beyond the afters and stuff. So, yeah, it's a really expensive business, you know, hobby, if you will. But I mean, I, I am doing it for a business. Like this is my job. I, I never thought I was going to get into it, but now that I'm into it, I'm like, I'm in, 
You know, I don't, I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it right. And I'm always learning. I'm always learning how to do things differently and what to do uh, moving forward. So that's really cool. I think we'll move back in terms of the process. And do you want to tell us a little bit about how your writing process is? Um, Like, are you a pantser or a plotter or somewhere in between? Right. I'm, I'm a, I'm a little of both. Uh, I didn't even know what pantser meant until I heard somebody else say it. Uh, she was actually from the UK and I was like, pantser, pantser. I was like, what is that? I don't even understand what this is. And I finally looked it up and then I was like, Oh, so just kind of buy this to your pants. I am not somebody I can definitely. So for my beyond the after books and I can uh, see, this is why I have this stuff right here. Handy. I can plan it out to a certain extent. Come on. Yeah. So I have, these are all the notes. Oh, yeah. Second beyond the after. Um, I also have the calendar. Is that upside down? No, that's right. Upside down. Um, <laughs> where people are, what the chapters are, you know? Yeah, I know it gets pretty intense. And this is what boggles my mind is I don't know how like George R.R. R. Martin and like J.K. Rowling, I'm assuming they they have to plot. Like they have to know what's coming up. I feel um, like J.K. Otherwise... must have with all the clues that she like planted. I mean, she could have gone back and planted some of them, but you know. Could, well, and, and again, <laughs> you know, when I was about, uh, see, halfway through this book, Beyond the After, and there was a character, I was like, you know what? There, There's not enough twist there's not enough misdirection going this way or that way so i literally changed this character's personality and what his plot was like what his main plan was and i did i went back in and started planting little things that you probably wouldn't even really notice and a lot of people did they're like oh my gosh i got to the end and holy crap i can't believe he you know all this stuff so it's possible she did that but again i know where this book is going like it's been four years since the second book came out. I'm trying I promise everybody who's reading beyond the after I'm really trying. Uh, but I know the, I know the ending of the series. Like I know where this book is going. I've fixed and thought through problems. I hate cop-outs. I'm a, I hate time travel movies really bad. Uh, you know, JK Rowling actually did a good job with Hermione when she did her whole thing, but I'm definitely a plotter. I will plot until I don't want to plot anymore. And then it's all about pantser, you know, just sitting down and figuring out how am I getting to this point? And it's like a movie plays in my head, you know, for my short stories, for my, for my kids' books, I really don't, I I don't type very much. I'll write it all out on, uh, see, I think I have some. So this is, this is Penelope Rose goes to India. So this is the first and only real draft that I did. Uh, You can see I I wrote the top lines and I scratched them out immediately. Uh, So yeah, it just kind of depends. I have notes and letters and numbers and everything to help me figure out where I'm going and what I'm doing. And then of course, I then once I get once I feel good, I type it out, I print it off, I give it to my wife, and then she you know marks all over it. Does does her thing of of what I should do and what I should keep and all this stuff. But uh, yeah, so I'm a little bit of both. I'm more of a plotter. Like I like to plan ahead. Like I like to know what's coming. Not so much as it drives me. I'm neurotic or anything like that. But I definitely like to know where things are going to go so I can plant those seeds and those those foreshadowing uh, images in the book somewhere down the line. And it makes it better for the reader as well. They're like, you know, you get to the end, you're like, oh yeah, he said this back in here. And it makes it way, way, way more exciting for them and, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's fairly similar, I think. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. 
it sounds like we have a very similar process in terms of like plotting it all out like we do like an outline and then we do like separate chapter plans we yeah yeah sort of have to be collaborative authors so that we know that we're on the same page bit. yeah i haven't worked <laughs> with anybody else yet like i said i'm getting ready to work with my wife on a new kids book it's it's not all of my kids books so far are in poem format just because i kind of write like that and i rhyme and it comes fairly easy to me but uh this next one won't be it'll be in prose uh, it's going to be about deductive reasoning, problem solving. You know, the thing, what happened with me when I was teaching, as I'm teaching high school is these kids just don't know, you know, I don't have the AP kids or anything like that. It's just all the regular kids taking chemistry and they've just been spoon fed so much stuff during their academic career that they really, just, they don't even have to know how to take notes. And I'm like, it's a PowerPoint with color coded words. I pretty sure you can figure it out if you really, but they're, they're again, it, it doesn't come back to like their intelligence. They're just lazy yeah. and they don't ask questions and they don't come to tutoring and they don't email me for anything. And I'm just like, how do you guys expect to get on in the world? If you don't know how to problem solve just a little bit, I'm not tired. Like I'm a major problem solver. Like I see, a, you know, but these kids just don't. So that was one of the super main influencers of me writing this book. And then uh, the, the other one is going to be kind of like goosebumps. Uh, I think I saw you mention it, but have you seen this dog is the quote unquote working title. I, I, I like it a lot. It's going to be part of a series as well. Um, so we'll see where that one goes. And it's more like R.L. Stein's goosebumps, you know, a lot yeah. of misdirects in this way. And then, oh, it was this guy over here all along. So, That's yeah, cool. I'm excited to get that one done. And, and it's way shorter than these beyond the after novels. Like it's only like 25,000 words instead of like 108 or 130. <laughs> so I'm excited because it'll be done. And it's super yeah. simple. Like I, I, and I did my research, you know, I read two or three or four goosebump books and I was like, okay, I can do this. I was like, this isn't anything out of my wheelhouse. Like I can, I can totally do this. So while we're on the topic of your books, maybe we should ask you to tell us a little bit about them. Maybe starting with Beyond the After, since we've heard its title quite a few times now. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it is Beyond the After. Um, the only misconstruction, I, I don't even know if that's a word, misconstruction, but misinterpretation of the of the title is that it's about life after death. And I'm like, no, you know, how did they end? They ended and they lived happily ever after. This is beyond the after, you know, 20 years beyond the after. And I don't, I don't do anything to our our current knowledge of the Disney movies. I, I pay particularly close attention to those details and stuff like that, but I do build my own world. I don't think this one has it. Of course, this is going to be one of the older ones that doesn't have the map. So the new ones have a map and the map is the continent of Azura, which we never heard about because nobody ever wrote about it, uh, but it has the different kingdoms for the different princesses and stuff like that. Now, the one key important thing that nobody figures out, and I finally started putting like book one, book two on them because I knew what order they should go in is the first three books all happen at the same time. So ah. you start off with White and her daughter at her 18th birthday party coronation in the kingdom of Volante, which is Snow White's kingdom. Uh, Cinderella's husband is the older brother to Snow White's husband. Uh, just a bunch of, just the little things that connect the stories that don't really change anything, but they, they connect them so that we are like, oh, okay, these are all part of the same group. They're all on the same continent. They're traveling in the same pattern, stuff like that. So yeah, so that one was really good. I was really excited to get the second one out. I'm really... <laughs> 
have you seen this dog is going to come next? But then right after that, I promise I'm working on the third beyond the after it'll be called Prince, uh, Princess Avery. Princess Avery will be a sleeping beauty's daughter. So, and there's a whole bunch of other characters obviously involved than just the main characters. Uh, so yeah, so I have that, uh, let me see what other books I have. I don't have, I don't even know why I don't have it, but I, if mom became an octopus, which is about a boy who wishes his mom turned into a bunch of different animals, um, again, beautifully <laughs> illustrated, all kinds of difference. I know it's weird, right? And everybody's so like, good. oh, that's perfect. I've always, I've always said that, you know, I need more arms, missing numbers. So missing numbers. And if mom became an octopus are both like super big print, uh, they don't, they don't have punctuation or anything like that. Uh, one librarian told me they couldn't put them in their library because of that. And I was like, okay, whatever. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but um, I can't, again, was influenced by some high school students who were super lazy coming up with different excuses. And actually I can't, and the different little lion and missing numbers were all done by the same girl. Her name is Rachel or Ray is what she goes by now. Uh, missing numbers. I can't and the different little lion. She did them all differently with different mediums. But let me see if I can find my favorite. So there's the parrot in this one. And it's just gorgeous. Um, but the thing is, is like all the animals are really kind of bullies until you get to the end and then it all works out. But and then this tiger, he looks so cute. But <laughs> Oh, he, it is really cute. He's super cute. But then he, he said really big like, eyes. Yeah, I know. She's perfect at what she does. But then you hear, like he says, much more special than one ugly color like pink. And you're like, oh, you're you're kind of a bully then, you know, you're meanie. Yeah. like nobody wants, nobody wants that. So, so yeah, so that was one of my uh, teaching an important life lesson there. <laughs> you know, I'm always trying. And then of course, uh, and then of course, Deshaun, who actually I met through Instagram on uh he's in Macedonia, but I mean, the detail in his work is That's just amazing. phenomenal. You know, when he started sending me these sketches, I was like, Oh, you're hired. <laughs> Yes. I mean, it was, it was just a crazy thing. And then I've already shown you uh, the other side, but yeah, so it's just been, it's been a wild ride. If I could reverse time and go back to 2015, I would probably do them all as series, but I can't also say that I don't like what I have either because it's such an eclectic group of books. Uh, the only two books I have that are our series are Penelope Rose and Beyond the After. And then of course mm -hmm. the two new ones that I'm going to come out with are also going to be series because readers like to follow and yeah. fall in love with the characters that they really enjoy. So that's one of those things where I've kind of come into my own and be like, okay, this is, this is going to be this series and we'll write it out and then I'll start with something else. So, but yeah, so there's all my books. I have 10 of them total. You can go online and see all of them, download samples of PDFs and all that stuff. I was just going to ask how you find your illustrators. Cause they all seem to be really varied with, like their style and all amazing by the looks of it. They, they are both. They, they do vary in their style and they all are very amazing. My wife, who's in advertising, she has a bunch of friends who are designers and illustrators and artists and stuff like that. So I did hire them to do a bunch of my, uh, my book illustrations. And I found Deshaun again, I, the long story short is the illustrator I had for the next Penelope Rose kind of fell through. And so I was kind of really frantically looking for somebody to get this done and came across Deshaun. He sent me this. I was like, we're done. Let's get it done. And uh, yeah, so it was just, it was one of those meet cutes where you're like, this is perfect. I didn't plan on this. Um, I like this stuff. And that, you know, I told him, I was like, bro, you are so, 
super talented. I was like, if Disney comes to hire you, please, please, please just <laughs> promise you'll keep doing my books. Um, and he's like, okay, I will. Uh, I, I just, I just know one day, I mean, when you see the, his, uh, facial expressions for all the animals are just spot on Disney. You know, if somebody doesn't snag him up soon, somebody will. So I got it. That's why I got to get him under contract. So I can keep <laughs> yeah. using do my books. Yep. Get more yep. books out. <laughs> so what have your biggest challenges been in terms of sort of creating the books? So honestly, creating the books is really simple. Um, I know that's going to sound pretentious, but it doesn't, uh, you know, my kids books, especially it might take me, if I, if I was under the gun, I could write a kid's book in like a week. Um, you know, my novels on the other hand are a little different. They're more intricate. Uh, they've got a lot more, um, moving parts and gears going with them, but the biggest, biggest challenge right now, and I'm getting ready to jump into this over the summer is marketing. Uh, Amazon has their Amazon ads. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, if you yeah. have the greatest book and nobody knows about it, there's, there's no point. You're not going to make any money off of it whatsoever. So that's, that's my next kind of jump into, I did my Kickstarter again. It was a miserable failure. It wasn't a miserable failure, but I did raise enough money to do my books, you know, and, and to get them yeah. printed. But once I get into all the schools and stuff like that, I'm going to start really focusing in. Cause I don't know many other authors who, well, I, I guess I shouldn't say, cause I really don't know, but I really enjoy school visits. So I want mm-hmm. to always continue doing those and sell the books to the kids and giving them a, a very personal experience of me being there, being able to ask me the questions, you know, I have a banjo that I play and I play the booger song, a, a CM <laughs> original totally. Uh, and I love it, but I just, yeah, that's, that's been my biggest challenge is really getting deep into the marketing and running marketing ads on Amazon. Um, it's a great platform. It's a really good way to do stuff because you don't pay for it unless somebody actually just clicks on your ad, uh, but then they have to buy it. So, you know, you can get a, a, a dozen people to click on your ad and nobody buys the book. And then you've got to start figuring all the variables of why was it too expensive? What, you know, what are all the reasons that it could possibly be that, mm-hmm they didn't actually go ahead and, you know, follow through and buy the book. So, so we'll see. So yeah, that's been my biggest challenge. My other biggest challenge, time, man, time is just nobody's friend at all. No, no. You know, you have <laughs> a two-year-old daughter. It's just, and when you're teaching, it's just everything stacks up against you and you really got to find, you really got to be focused and disciplined, which I'm not, I, I get better every day, but to, to sit down and stop doing the things you want to do. And that's one of the things I tell the kids uh, during school visits is sacrifice this, um, this idea of giving up something you want to do versus something of uh, what you need to do. You know, every, whenever, when you go home, nobody wants to do homework. You want to go outside and play or play video games or watch a movie or something like that. And of course, they all know the consequences of not doing your homework is you fail. So you've got to, you know, just ring that in and make sure that they're focused on doing what they need to do versus what they want to do. And then you can always kind of trade back and forth. And that's one of the biggest things, you know, I do make a little money online uh, from these books. Again, I'm not advertising anything and I get anywhere between 50 to $100 a month, uh, which isn't a lot. We all know that. And the kids know that. But eventually I will have enough books and I'll be having enough ads running that I will make, you know, $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 a month. You know, when you get to $5,000 a month, I can quit teaching, Yeah, you know, and and you can just keep going from that. So 
So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, the gist of it is just getting to the point where I don't want to have to tell my daughter, her name is not peep, but that's what we call her online. Uh, <laughs> no, cool. I can't. Right. I know it's, it's this weird story. I won't get into, but um, <laughs> I don't want to have to tell her, no, I can't come to your dance recital or your sports event or your music concert or whatever the case may be. You know, I was motivated for her before she was even born to start doing this. And, you know, thank goodness, because otherwise who knows where I'd be in, in a few years from now. That's for sure. That's a great motivation as like, you know, providing money for your family and for like the future of your daughter and time as well is just huge, you know? Yeah. Having the time to live your life like you wanted. I think that's a lot of um, our listeners can relate to, to that. I think it's a, a huge goal. Because yeah, everybody wants that. Everybody wants that freedom mm. to be able to go on vacation, go see the world, you know, take some time off. And I tell my kids, I'm like, and see, the bottom line is once I'm done with all this, once I'm retired from teaching, retired, um, if I just want to play video games for nine months, I can, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So yeah, it's kind of a trade-off. I'm like, you know, I trade off writing and and, uh, we'll, we'll get back to the video games later. I still have like, I bought a switch with the new Zelda because I'm a huge Nintendo fan. If you couldn't tell from my socks and, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'm afraid to start it because then I'll want to finish it and I just don't have the time. So one day, someday I will, once all the secrets are discovered and everybody's posted all the game through walks um, online, I'll, I'll jump on and take care of it then. Sounds like a plan. So you have a publishing company called Mercury West. Yes. What made you decide to start that and what do you hope that you can offer um do you help other i'm not quite sure how it works do you help other authors with their publishing or what's sort of the deal absolutely so you're right so one of the biggest things that i learned in um i go to a, a writing conference in oklahoma which is where i'm from and the big guys they'll bring in some big people from new york and california and agents and whatnot and they basically tell you that they really won't do anything for you like the difference between indie or self-published and traditional published is the traditional publish is going to take longer because you're going to have to query agents and publishers and they're going to have to be interested in your story enough to get it and then once they do get it are they interested enough to go ahead and put it through surprisingly enough nobody was interested in beyond the after even though nobody had really done anything about the teenage daughters of these super famous princesses um so yeah i even already had a fan base you know so i thought surely somebody would pick it up they never did i'm like well you know what screw it i'm gonna go ahead and do it my own way um did it through create space which was you know back in the day it's kdp now but yeah it was just one of those things where in order to be i want to look as professional as possible so this this most recent book if you look well you i mean so the barcode looks super professional Um, The back of it, this is my trademark for my company, Mercury West Publishing. It basically looks like kind of wings, but book as well, a book that's open. Um, It's got all the stuff up top, you know, everything. Uh, It's got book two on the bottom. So like I said, so basically if I were to go and set this book down in any Barnes and Noble, you wouldn't know that it was uh, self-published. I even have, where is it? The inside uh, Library of Congress coding. So, and I paid for this, like everything that you see, you know, I paid for. So Mercury West was just kind of that next step of, well, who are you with now? Of course, now I found out that you kind of have to be a small, I I keep doing 
quotes. You have to be a small press, which is five authors or more. I don't know where the, the line is to get entered into different uh, reviews, uh, review, con- you know, all this different stuff right. that you can't do if, you, you're, if you're just a one author publishing company. So I do uh, for a minimal fee, you know, I give the, the people that are with me uh, ISBN numbers because I just bought a whole package of like a hundred because I knew I was going to keep writing. So I gave them, I give them those, uh, any tidbits that I can possibly help with looking professional, as far as a book cover goes, there's some people out there that I'm like, where, why, who did this for you? Like <laughs> yeah. you do this on your own. Cause this does not look good, you know? And it's one of those things where it's hard for me to like really hone in on and focus and say, what is wrong, wrong with it. But I know it's wrong. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just one of those things like where you recognize a mistake when you see it. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so anybody who's listening, email me, uh, ask me what I do, what I'm offering, all that stuff. I'm not taking any royalties. Like I'm really here. You know, there's a lot of authors out there and I love them to death and they're really good people. And maybe, maybe I will change my mind once I get out there, but I'm not in this to get money from other authors. I'm in this to help authors make their own money. I don't want a piece of their pie. I want them to get as much pie as they can. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do with Mercury as publishing, whether that'll hold water or not. I don't know. I'm really new to all this, you know, but so, yeah, so that's, that's basically the reason is Mercury West publishing. My, uh, one of my really good friends, uh, Barry Fuchs, who came up with it. He's a super good artist as well. He is not any of my books. That's a whole other story, but he's a really, really talented guy. I think his uh, Instagram is at Barry Fuchs illustrations or just search Barry Fuchs. F U X a is how you spell his name. B A R R Y F U X a anyways. Uh, but yeah, he came up with the title because my biggest, uh, comic book, uh, fan is the flash. I love the flash Wally West specifically. And so Mercury is the God of speed and you have West is his last name. So he came up, what about Mercury West publishing? I was like, cool. Sounds professional, looks professional. You know, a lot of these places are doing um, not bad things, but just, I don't know. That's, that's the name of my press. So that's what I do. So you said that as a small press, which had however many authors that you're then able to. At least five. Right. Yeah. Right. So that means that you're able to get into other under like reviews and things like that so is that part of the goal for this publishing company that once you have more authors you can then you know have your books reviewed by other I don't know, absolutely and that's one of the people. things i try to right and i try to sell that to the other authors i'm like look for this very flat nominal fee um i'll give you these isbns i'll help you out my wife can help you with your cover design stuff like that now she doesn't work free unfortunately yeah. but um but she knows what she's doing as well like it's not just yeah. i mean you saw my beyond the after books they look professional she researches the genres she sees what's popular she sees what's um being sold number one through barnes and noble whatever else and so she will help them go through that process and, and fix little errors like this red doesn't match this red. They all need to be the same, you know, simple little things like that to just bring them up from like the 75 or 80% all the way up to like the 99 or hundred percent where mm-hmm. it looks professional. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's very cool. I like the aspirations that you have. They're bigger than I probably need, but I <laughs> oh, I think big. Like that's like my goal is I'm always thinking big. And like, again, with the code in the Beyond the After book, somebody someday, some way will find the, the what's going on and they'll be like, oh, and then by that point in time, I'll have enough money to like put other things in motion to like not just leave them hanging. They're like, I found this 
I found this code, but where, where do you put what it? What is it? I don't understand. You know, all that stuff. So enlightening people. I like it. I'm trying to, I really try to. I think thinking big from the start is actually a really great way to look at it because, you know, then you've already got the foundation so, so that when you do get there, eventually, like you're not going to have to change a whole lot of stuff because you've set yourself up well, right? Right, exactly. We we try to think like that too. I'm not sure how well we're succeeding. We're still learning a lot ourselves, but yeah. <laughs> you know, it is, it is what it is. You do your best. Yeah. So I think we are probably getting on with time. Yep. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we haven't covered yet? I don't think so. You know, again, for your listeners, if you're new, if you're old, doesn't matter. The number one thing that I wish somebody had told me was collect emails. If you're doing an event, if you're doing uh, carnival, whatever it is, uh, school visits, you know, my newest, let's see, where is it? My newest, it's not in color, but you can see I have like a little QR code to collect uh, yeah. um, emails, you know, it's, it's just, cool. it's a Google form. That's all it is. Uh, but you go and you can get the octopus stuff for free and the booger song, you know, you can download all these things for free, but yeah, that's, that's been the biggest thing that I was not told when I started again, I've sold 7,000 copies of beyond the after. And that's just me personally. That's like not online, not eBooks, not nothing. And I have no way of reaching these people to let them know that the second book is out. Right. You know, so that was one of my biggest, huge downfalls because I did a lot of uh, book signings in grocery stores and Kroger grocery stores here in Texas. And again, I have no way of reaching them, letting them know that, you know, it is kind of a cliffhanger. I did get it out in two years, which I was really impressed with myself, but now it's been four and, you know, I, I just don't know how to reach them. Eventually, again, I'll be a big name, like you guys said, and they'll start looking and be like, oh, he's done with the series, you know, whatever the case may be with J.K. Rowling and stuff like that. Same thing. But yeah, collect the emails so that you can always reach your, your customers and your fans, let them know what's going on. And then unlike me, try to keep up with your monthly newsletter so that I think I'm almost <laughs> at a year maybe where I haven't sent out anything at all. And I feel horrible. And it's just again, it's time. You just, you only have enough time to do so many things. And unfortunately, some things fall by the wayside. Yeah, totally get that. <laughs> you have the best intentions, but then you're like, I just don't have any time left in my day. I can only do certain things. I do. I just need to clone myself and I don't know, something, it's time machine, whatever. I don't know, <laughs> but I don't like time travel. So obviously <laughs> that isn't happening yet. Who knows? So you'll never be visiting yourself from the future because you'll be like, mm, I don't know about this time travel thing. That's yeah, I probably, yeah. Right, yeah, it definitely hasn't happened yet. I don't know my future self. I'd be like, don't, don't interrupt him now because he's kind of on a roll. And if you do it now, it's going to, I'm one of those like singular yeah. timeline people. Like I'm not like this. You're going to screw everything up. Like, right. Do I don't, you know, I've been watching Loki and I'm just like, I'm not sure if I like where they're, we'll see. I'll cross my fingers again. We'll see what they do with the, the whole Loki thing, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's pretty good. Um, so far, I'm in episode three. And so far, it's, eh, well, like I said, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I think there's only like eight episodes or something like that anyway. So. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, how can people find your books? If oh, yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> So everything is author CM Healy. Uh, my Instagram is at author CM Healy. My email is author CM Healy at gmail.com. My website is author CM Healy.com. 
Uh, yeah, I think if you even search just CM Healy on Facebook, I pop up. I only do Instagram and Facebook. So for those of you who do Twitter, sorry, Pinterest, we don't sorry. Either. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I just, I just can't. It's again, it's the time. Too much. Yeah. Uh, so with Instagram and Facebook being the same people, I can just hit, yeah, post Instagram. Yes, post Instagram right there. Um, it's a button I can push and I'm already done. So it's it's pretty easy. But everything is author CM Healy. So if you forget anything, just remember author CM Healy. CM stands for coconut marshmallow, by the way. The kids came up with that. Um, <laughs> nobody will forget coconut marshmallow. So I just ran with it. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's that's how you would reach me. I'm really good about answering emails, all of that stuff. And if you do live in the United States, I do sell or I, I send out signed books with the shipping and everything. So so yeah, reach out. I'll be happy to help you. And do you sell, I mean, obviously not with the mass produced ones, you'd probably need to go through your website for that, but the other ones. No, you- actually, again, this is one of those cool things that Amazon does where I can be a third party vendor and. Ah, right. Yes, uh, of course. I, yeah. That's what everybody so all does. So on I, Amazon? Mm-hmm. Yep. I sent them uh, 360 books before I came on vacation. So they have them. I haven't started advertising yet. Uh, the Kindle edition, if anybody has Kindle Unlimited, uh, the Penelope, all of them actually are on Kindle Unlimited. So if you have that, if you pay for that service, you can get any of my books uh, for free and download those. Um, and please do, because every page that's read goes money towards me. Um, it's not as much as buying the book, but it's something. And uh, everybody, there's, there's bonuses and all kinds of stuff that get wrapped up in that. But, but yeah, so um, Amazon, if you're around the world or if you're in the United States, order through me and I'll send you books. Also, whenever you guys do this, I can't remember if I said it, but uh, I'll be doing a 20% off for a whole week. So whenever you guys post this podcast, just let me know. And I'll put in probably Lender Creations uh, 20 you know, it's, it's an easy thing to remember. You guys have your, your podcast of lender creations and uh, yeah. So lots of things going on. I have lots of stuff to offer your, your um, fans and listeners and get my books and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely let you know um, before this episode drops. Anyways, I just really like to thank you CM Healy for coming on this episode. It's been really, really interesting talking to you and hearing all about Mercury West, your publishing business, but also uh, your journey in writing so many books, which all sound really interesting. So thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been a blast. I always, if you can't tell, I don't like talking about my, my authorship at all, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I really appreciate you having me on. You're very welcome. It's been a great chat that we've had and it's been so interesting and fascinating. I love hearing about other authors' journeys. So with that said, what are we doing next time on Dear Writer, Ashley? So next time, it is one of our Talking Shop episodes where we have a chat about the books that we are reading for fun, but also some of the resources that we have used to help us become better writers. So if you'd like to know more about us um, and our writing projects, you can visit us at lindersoncreations.com or contact us on Facebook or Instagram, which is under the handle Lindison Creations. Okay, and there are still some spots left on our author spotlight episode. So if you're interested in being on the show, then go to lindersoncreations.com and on the podcast drop down menu you'll find a page that says be featured on dear writer and if you enjoy the show please rate and review us on apple podcasts and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and we'll be back next week happy writing everyone <laughs>